Yeah, so glad that you have come and that you're worshiping with us this morning. Just an incredible morning thus far, just really to come and kind of center our hearts around Christ. And this morning, just as I was praying and just preparing for what God would have for us here today, I was just reminded again of just that incredible declaration in Colossians 1.17, that where Paul just says, and just kind of in this hymn of adoration and declaration to Christ, he just says that Christ, he says he, but referencing Jesus, is before all things, and that in him, all things hold together. And I just believe that here this morning. And, uh, and I just wanna invite you to turn into your scriptures to 1 Peter chapter three. Uh, we've been in this series as pastor has led us and uh, it, it's just been such a timely word uh, in this season of life that we have been in. And uh, as it seems that the world around us uh, continues to get more chaotic and crazier and crazier, that there is a hope in which we can anchor our lives in. And that is Christ, and, and, and he is all things, and he's holding it all together, and I just love that this is where we've been, and uh, we're gonna continue in that today as we look at 1 Peter chapter three and verses one through seven, and really looking at the family and looking at the idea of marriage. If you're like me and you have you know, kind of been at home uh, for extended periods of time, you, know, you found yourself, really it's you and, and your wife and your children and you're kind of in that space together and, and maybe you go to the grocery store but that's really about it. And, and so a lot of families have had a lot of close encounters with one another over this season and, and you've learned a lot about one another. You, you, you've, you've strengthened some aspects of your marriage. You've looked at other areas where you say to yourself, no, like he, here's some areas where we can grow as a family. Here's some areas where, where God can do a work in our home, in the midst of our children and our lives together. And, and Peter's gonna come around and he's gonna write about this and, and, and really in referencing what we looked at last week and this idea of, of the authorities that we have in our lives, but Christ being the ultimate authority. You know, it's interesting that there are more avenues and information about marriage than ever before, and yet it seems that we have more marital problems than ever. And really, when you look in the church, there are Christian marriages that are falling apart all around us. And I think this passage is important in light of our present culture. The foundation of marriage is crumbling. People are confused about ideas of gender and marriage and family. People are outright hostile to the idea and to the historic view on, Christian view on marriage. And it's, when you really begin to look at it, it's not just a cultural war, but it's a spiritual war. Because the enemy would love for nothing more than to confuse people and to tear down the foundations of God's plan and God's purpose for marriage. Because marriage is something that we have to work at. I think we all have to come to that understanding. Like I said, we, we've kind of been in this space and people have had to work at their marriages. You know, Nan and I coming up in September will have been married 14 years. And, and what I'd love to be able to say is that you know, it's this 14 years uh, of unending joy and happiness with, with no struggles, with no issues, with, with no conflict, uh, with no confrontation. But I can stand up there and tell you this in, in a truthful way, that, that wouldn't be the reality. The reality is, is that we've had, had struggles in our marriage together, that, that we've dealt with issues together as a couple, that, that we've gone through times of trying to understand one another and, and, and what each other was trying to communicate to each other. I tell this to couples all the time, and, and, and 
Between 2019 and 2020, I will have ended up doing about 15 different marriages ceremonies for people. And in every counseling session, we have the same conversation. Is that you have to be able to first communicate to God about where you are and your heart's desires and what is going on and be in constant communication with him so that you can be in constant communication with one another. And you have to continually do that. The, the continual extension of grace, the continual going to God and reaching out and calling out to him to be the center of your homes and the center of your lives. And so Peter is writing this letter here and he writes first to wives and he's writing to wives of unsaved husbands seeking to convey to them about how to win them to Christ. And then he's gonna move, as we're gonna see here in the latter part of verse seven, to some kind of admonitions for the Christian husband. But what I want us to see is that there's three essentials, I believe, that this passage brings out for a gospel-centered marriage. Three essentials that we have to have, that that we have to to incorporate into our lives. I just want us to lean into what God's word is saying and, and, and to really kind of begin to get an understanding of here's how we can have hope in our home. Here is how, as this whole series is entitled, here's how we can be captured by hope so that we can move out in that hope for the gospel and the glory of God Almighty. And the first essential is just this, and then it is Christ and Christ alone. If you look at verse one, it says this. It says, wives, in the same way. Now just underline that phrase there, in the same way. He says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. But then you look at verse seven where he speaks to husbands and he uses that same phrase again. He says, husbands, in the same way, underline that there, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now this is pointing us back to Peter's instructions that he gave in verse 13 of chapter two where he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. We looked at that last week as Pastor Mercer led us through that and and took us and was leading us to this place where we are today as we're looking at the home. But don't forget the conclusion of that in verse 21 of chapter two where he says, to this you were called. Why? Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So just as Christ Jesus was submissive and obedient, so a Christian husband and wife should follow that same example. Like we live in an imitation culture. Like we dress because of the ways that we see celebrities dress. We go eat at places because we've seen things, whether on social media, Instagram, wherever it may be, somebody is saying this is a place where you need to go eat. We go on vacations because we see where our neighbors go and we wanna do that. We live in this idea of imitation culture. We wanna be like somebody else and act like somebody else and do what somebody else does. But when you look at the home, if both a husband and a wife, partners in marriage, if we will 
imitate Christ in his submission and in his obedience and in his desire to serve others, then there will be joy and there'll be victory in the home. See, husbands, the best thing that you can do for your wife is to pattern yourself after Jesus because in Christ we see this blending of strength and tenderness and that's what it takes to be the husband that God is calling you to be. So we should imitate Christ. But I, I'll say this this morning, just for us, and, and if you're new to church and you're just joining in with us this morning, you have to understand this. We can't follow Christ's example unless we first know him as our savior. Unless we first submit to him as the Lord of our lives. We have to spend time with him every day. We have to be in his word every day. We have to cry out to him in prayer. A Christian husband, a Christian wife, husbands and wives together have to pray together and to encourage each other in the faith. And that leads us to this reality this morning. It's what's the purpose of marriage? And the purpose of marriage is this. It is the glory of Christ. Everything comes back to Christ. Uh, yes, it's important, and in every counseling session that I go through with, with couples who are about to be married, we talk through ideas of communication problems, how, how to deal with financial issues, personality issues, the past uh, that, that everybody brings into their relationships, all of the issues that there could be. We try to put all of those out on the table. But here's the thing, we have to remember the ultimate issue in marriage is this, is are you surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you surrendered all of your lives, all of your heart over to him? And are you submitting all of those areas over to him? If the starting point of a marriage is me, then the starting point is at the wrong place. Because marriage begins with Christ. He is the foundation. He is the fabric. Because marriage exists for his glory. And so the encouragement for both husbands and wives as you're listening to this and for families as you're watching us this morning is to let your marriage, to let your home be an offering of worship as you love each other, as you forgive each other, as you serve each other, and to allow the relationship and the partnership between husband and wife to serve as an aroma of Christ before the watching world. So the first essential is Christ for the gospel-centered marriage. But the second essential is this, is it is submission. Submission. Look again at verse one of 1 Peter 3. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So there's that word that, that as we got in this passage that many of you, that, that you have a familiarity with church and you've been around church your whole life, you knew that this was coming. But submission is essential if our homes and our marriages are going to be centered and rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 5, 21, and he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
And so I, I wanted to bring in that passage today because I think it's important for us as we look at what Peter is saying to look also at what Paul said in this idea of submission. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 5 and he's discussing there the final effect of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives and that involves submission. And it's important for us to get this because submission runs throughout the New Testament. Uh, Paul speaks of it in marital issues, in, par in parental issues, in vocational relationships, in all of these ways. And he points out that we should submit to one another in the church out of our reverence for Christ. Like, there are some sensational ideas about the Spirit's work, and it is real. But here in Ephesians 5, we see that the Spirit leads us into community where practical acts of love are demonstrated. The Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone is what enables you to do what is not natural. And that's namely to love and submit to people. Can, can we just all agree on this? Like submission is not a natural act. Nobody woke up this morning and said, you know what I wanna do this morning? I wanna submit. I, I, I just wanna submit and relinquish the control of my will, the control of my life over to somebody else. Like it, it is by the grace of God that, that we understand what has happened to us in Christ that leads us to this place through the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because here's what you can be sure of. If a person is acting brashly, arrogantly, in some sort of self-assertive way, and they're not walking by the Spirit. I was reading this week, John Stott said this about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit is a humble spirit. And those who are truly filled with him always display the meekness and gentleness of Christ. It is one of their most evident characteristics that they submit to one another. That word submit means to arrange under. It was used as a military reference and just talked about the subordination of soldiers in an army to those who are in a superior rank. Because good soldiers surrender their control to that rank. They turn loose of their selfish agendas. They, they let go of, of their plans and, and they live in submission and they do it for the good of others. This is the same way that we who are in Christ are to live. And you have to see the motive that Paul references in Ephesians 5. Why do we do this? We do it out of reverence for Christ. It's a statement there of the deity of Jesus as Lord. Like we are submitting to others, not just for, for some random reason, but we're doing it because Christ is the ultimate authority over our lives. Like this doesn't mean that believers live in some sort of terror of Christ, but it means that we stand in awe of the one who is holy and the one who has extended grace and forgiveness to us. And we understand that we belong to Christ's kingdom that he is our king, and out of reverence to him, we will gladly submit to his rule, and in doing that, we will serve others with compassion. It's important for us to understand this morning, church, that God has a place for everything, that he has ordained levels of authority, as Pastor mentioned last week, he's ordained that the husband be the head of the home, and that as he submits to Christ, then the wife should submit to him. See, headship, is not dictatorship, but it is the loving exercise of divine authority under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So Peter now, in these verses, he just gives these reasons of why wives should submit to their husband. The first we see in the first part of verse one is just it's the command of God. 
the command of God. He says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. God has commanded it because in his wisdom, he knows that this is the best arrangement for marriage as he has created it. It doesn't mean that the wife is inferior. See, see, submission has to do with order and authority, not evaluation. Christ submitted to God's will. And there's nothing degrading about submitting to authority or accepting God's order. If anything, it's just the first step towards fulfillment because Ephesians 5.21 that we just looked at makes it clear that both husbands and wives are to submit first to Christ. So many people struggle with this idea of wives submitting. But the whole Christian life is a life of submission. The wife is called to submit to the husband who's willing to die for her. And husbands should be the first to apologize, to forgive, to serve. They're to exemplify the lifestyle of Christ to the bride. It's a lot like this. I'm not a dancer by any stretch of the imagination. We didn't dance at our wedding partly because we got married in southwest Georgia and it was 8,000 degrees humidity uh, in the month of September and the gnats and everything. So there was no dancing at our wedding. But I know dancing is like a thing now uh, at weddings. And so I, I'm not the dancer. I can't you know, give you the, all of the, the expert analysis on it. But, but I do know this much, that when you dance, that somebody has to lead and then somebody follows that. There's one person who's leading and one person who follows. One person who is initiating and then another who is responding. And both of those things are necessary for the dance to happen. This is the same picture that we see in a marriage. A husband and wife having equal value yet different roles within the marriage. The husband leads as the wife follows. The husband initiates while the wife responds. Both of those things are necessary for the marriage to be the beautiful thing that God has created it to be. Husbands and wives are partners and submission doesn't diminish the importance of that reality. You know, I, I love it because that word submit, it creates all of this discussion, but you look all throughout the New Testament. Colossians 3, Paul referenced it. 1 Peter 3, as we're seeing here. 1 Timothy 2. Titus 2, 1 Corinthians 11, it's, it's there. But notice here that Peter doesn't say that wives submit to every man. He says their wives are to submit to their own husbands. The husband is the head of the wife, not all women there. Notice there that that's submission. Like it is that Christian wives are freely and responsibly following the leadership of their husband. And, and so we have to reject all kind of the characters, if you will, of this teaching. Scripture is not talking about something akin to slavery or subservience or kind of this top-down chain of command where the subjects have to, to obey without question. It's not this idea, I, I was looking at some funny cartoons, it's not this idea of a husband you know, laying on the couch, like yelling out to his wife, bring me the pretzels. That's not what that is. To submit is to put the will of the other ahead of your will. It is to put that ahead of it. And in Ephesians 5.22, Paul just says that the motive of godly loving submission of the wife is this. It's, un, it's as unto the Lord. That's the root of it. Wives submit to their husbands for this reason because they wanna glorify Christ. That's what that does. The godly wife sees their duty in this idea of submission as part of their Christian discipleship. 
They understand that. And the motive is not to fill some sort of societal role or some sort of cultural expectation, but the motive is their love for Christ and a desire to be conformed into his image. So there's the command of God. We also see that there's the commission of Christ. Latter part of verse one, it says that you're submitting to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. God not only commands submission, but he uses it as a powerful spiritual influence in the home and in culture. It's not the wife giving in to her husband, but rather it is the wife's character and conduct that will win her husband and subsequently win the world around her for the gospel. Attitudes of submission, understanding, love, kindness, patience, they're not manufactured, but these are fruits of the spirit that come when we're submitted to Christ and submitted to one another. A Christian wife, a wife that is seeking to pursue after Christ with purity and with reverence, that, that, that lifestyle is going to reveal in her the life of the praises of God and it's gonna influence others for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like in a Christian home, in a home that's centered on Christ, we, got a minute, we must minister to each other. A Christian husband ministers to his wife to help beautify her in the Lord, but a Christian wife encourages her husband to grow strong in the Lord. And parents and children, they share those burdens and they share those blessings, seeking to kind of maintain an atmosphere of spiritual excitement and expectation and growth in the home so that people may be one to Christ as they see their lives and they see their relationships. I can't tell you enough, church, how much we have to come around this reality here today, that in our homes and in our lives, that we are not just seeking to create within the fabric of the walls of our houses just happy environments, but that we are creating and fostering and nurturing from our children and the relationships that we have with our spouses. We are nurturing a missional movement for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so wives, as you submit to your husband, know that you are doing this and as you do it, it is a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the watching world will see and know that something is different, that it doesn't fit in with what the culture says that we should do, that it doesn't you know, look like all of, of what marriage looks like as it's propagated out on our television screens and, and movie screens across America, that there is something unique, there is something that stands out and what stands out is not just the actions that you take, but it is the one to whom you give those actions, the Christ that you serve. And people will be drawn to the gospel because of your faithfulness and because of your obedience. And that is the commission of Christ in the submission that takes place within the home. We have to understand this and begin to see the magnitude of our roles as we serve and submit to one another and as wives submit to their husbands. But there's also, not just the command of God, the commission of Christ, there is the character of the heart. The character of the heart. He says in verse three, he says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters 
if you do what is right and you do not give way to fear. So I made the joke to my wife that I was gonna use that passage to talk about how she shouldn't go shopping anymore. And, um, and as you can imagine in our home, that did not go over uh, really well. And, and let me just say this about this. Like this is a challenge that Peter is giving here to not focus on external decorations, but rather on internal character. And this is the submission that takes place in the home through the wife. Like a, a, a woman of Christ cultivates the beauty of her inner self. And in doing that, doesn't have to depend on any of the externals. It, it's like this. I'll never forget the day that, that I met Nan and saw Nan for the very first time in my life. Um, I had walked in uh, to a Ruby Tuesdays. There was kind of a, a, a young adult gathering uh, of people there um, at the church that I was at. And so we, we got together and um, on a pretty regular basis. I walked in, in the Ruby Tuesdays for the dinner that we were all having. And there was Nan and, and, and by the grace of God, an empty seat next to her. And so I, I remember I walked in and immediately I was drawn um, not just because I was single at the time and she was, um, she was there and a new female that I had never seen before in my life, but I was drawn to her because she was gorgeous and, and beautiful. And I was like, oh, I don't know this person. Um, I don't even know her name at this point in time, but I do know this, that there is a beauty to this person and so I wanna know her name. And so I went and I sat down and I got to know her. And, and in the process of that, like we foster a relationship, we, we, we foster a friendship that then grew into a relationship, and, and now we're married. But he, here's the thing. So I, I think my wife is beautiful. Um, I think that she is amazingly stunning in her beauty. But the, the more I know her, and the more that we grow together in our lives together, he, here's what I see. I don't see the outward beauty but I see the passion of her conviction for Christ that comes from within her heart. I see her desire to see people grow deeper in their walks with Christ and discipleship. I see her unflinching, you know, just boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see her humility. I see the things that, that can never be put on in jewelry or in clothes, but I see the character of her heart and it is the character of her heart that draws me to her every single day of our lives. Does it mean that she's not beautiful on the outside? No, she's beautiful on the outside. But she is extraordinary on the inside because of the character of Christ that is growing within her and is propelling her forward in mission. See, God is concerned about values, not prices. And beauty ultimately has to come from the heart. So wives, as they submit to Christ, and, and as they follow the example there, he mentioned Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, called him her Lord. That, that, they, that from the past all the way to where we are today, the beauty comes from the submission to the husband out of the calling of Christ, the command of God, and the character of the heart that has been formed because of Christ Jesus. So submission is essential. The third thing, so we have Christ and his submission, and then we have consideration. Look at verse seven again of 1 Peter 3. He 
says, husbands, so men, we're, we're speaking to you now. He says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So, so men, I just want you to hear me here this morning that Christ's sacrificial love, like it, we have to understand this, it is a foot-washing love. And his headship is our model here. He came to serve even though he was the head. And what we see in Christ's authority is that it is coupled with unparalleled humility and love. Because for us as men and for, for you as a husband out there, marriage is ultimately, it's a call to die. It's dying to self. And in dying to self, it's gonna involve sacrificing your schedule. It's gonna come and involve sacrificing some of your good ambitions. It means giving yourself away for the good of your bride. It involves crucifying your flesh and resolving to be faithful to your bride, not yielding to the temptations of lust or anger or pride. But not only is it a call to die, it's also a call to serve. Like it takes the initiative uh, of Christ within us. And so the challenge here this morning is to avoid being a passive husband. Like actively love your wife. Christ-like love, it, it, that service that is talking about, also it's an attitude of Christ in that serving. And so Peter now comes around and he's writing here to Christian husbands. And he just reminds them of four areas of responsibility in their relationships with their wives. And, and, and he first there is just to be present. You know, he says, he says, live with your wives. Like, this is much more than just sharing an address, men. Like, marriage is fundamentally a physical relationship, but it's also a deeper spiritual one as well. Like, what takes place is a Christian husband fulfills his duties in marriage to his wife by not only providing for his wife, but also by loving his wife. And so we have to be present there, men, like you, you can't just come in after a day of, of, of being at work and being away and just expect that you can just come in and kind of isolate yourself from the reality of your home. No, you have to be present in the home, to be present with your wives, to be present with your children, for them to know that you are, are actively involved in what is taking place in the home, which is why, why Peter's saying to, to live with your wives. And to actually do life with them. But he's also giving a call here to be available or, or to be attentive, because he says here again, be considerate. I, I, I think it's an amazing thing that, that two people can be married, can live together, and not really know each other. I was reading some stats this week about how many people that, that they live their lives and they have families together, and then their children will graduate and leave the home, and then the marriages fall apart because the husband and wife don't even know each other because they never spent time to be available and to be attentive to one another. Men, hear me here. Ignorance is dangerous in any area of life, but it is especially dangerous when it comes to marriage. Like, you need to know the mood of your wife. You need to know your wife's feelings, her needs, her fears, her hopes. You need to listen with your heart and have actual meaningful communication with her. Not just talk to her, but talk with her. There has to be within the home kind of this protective atmosphere of love and submission that the husband and wife can disagree and still be happy together. 
Like any failure in the home to be open and honest with one another, like all that's gonna continue to do is to build walls and, and not build bridges together in your marriage. You have to be available and to be attentive. The third thing that, that Peter mentions here in this verse says be respectful. He just says treat them with respect. Giving honor or treating with respect just means that, that as a husband, once we come back to the feelings, the thinkings, the desires, that you're, you're being respectful of that. You may not agree with all of them, but, but you respect your wife. Like often God, and I love how God does this, and, and I see it in our home every day. God balances a marriage so that the husband needs what the wife has in her personality, and likewise, she gets the same in, in his good qualities. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of how God does that. But men, can I just tell you, in your home, you need to be the thermostat in your home. You need to be the one who is setting the emotional and the spiritual temperature in your home. And as you're doing that, then allow your wife to be the thermometer, like to let you know what the temperature is, because both of those things are necessary. The husband who is respectful of the feelings of their wife, like not only brings you joy in the home, but you're gonna find in that that you're gonna grow and that your children are gonna grow in that to do more, to honor God and to lift him up in those moments. And then the final thing is just be prayerful. Be prayerful. He says there to not, not let your prayers be hindered or let nothing hinder your prayers. You know, this seems so simplistic, but man, it's so difficult at times. The, the busyness and the pace uh, of life around us. But can I just say this? Husbands and wives, like you're to pray together and to be in the word together. You have to do this. They're essentials to the home. Men, you have to be concerned for the spiritual well-being of your house. You have to be in the word personally, but you also need to come around with your wife and talk about the word with her. Talk about what God is saying to you. What is God saying to her? What is God saying to your family? Like be in tune with, with your wife and, and kind of the theological knowledge that she's got in the practice of the spiritual disciplines, in the service that she has to the church, in her relationships. You know, we, we talk so much about how the husband is to provide for the home and we automatically you know, lean into the financial aspects of that, you know, putting a roof over the head and providing clothes and food and all of that. But, but men, can I just tell you this? You need to care for the soul of your wife. To care for the spiritual well-being of your home and really move into a place and into a position of faithfully shepherding your home for the glory of God. You know, I, I, I've talked a lot about marriage, especially over the last year in, in the marriages that I've done, and, and, and you hear so much about it, but the more that I read scripture, the more that I see just the beauty of the home, and it's just simply this, that God ordained marriage. He created it, he ordained it, and then Christ came and set the pattern for marriage. And in doing so, with his finished work on the cross and resurrection, he provided the spirit for us, and it's the Holy Spirit that empowers marriage. So God ordained it, Christ set the pattern for it, and the Holy Spirit empowers it. 
And it is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he died for those who could not keep the demands perfectly. Can I tell you, you may sit there and and in a message like this, you may start doing an evaluation of your marriage. And you may be sitting there right now taking notes saying, man, we're not doing good here and we're not doing good here. And you're giving yourself a lot of X's on on your sheet there. I I just wanna tell you this, the, the beauty of the gospel, Christ, is that when we're surrendered to his lordship, that he empowers us with a spirit that outside of that spirit, man, we can never keep these things up on our own. It's the spirit who is daily renewing us, daily empowering us as we look to Christ for grace and for mercy. And so I just wanna know today, as you're watching this, you know, maybe you're a husband and you're saying to yourself, man, you know, I, I've kind of been stuck here at home and because it's a Sunday and my wife can't come into church, you know, I, I'm sitting here watching this with her. I'm seeing a lot of this stuff and maybe I'm hearing the gospel for the very first time. And you've seen what it is that God has done in your wife and you're saying, man, like there's something different there. And I want what she's got. You, you can do that today. It's just surrendering to Christ and just saying, I, I, I believe that Jesus came and died for my sin, that he rose again from the grave, that he's gonna come back, he's gonna come back again one day. And I just wanna give my heart and my life over to him because he's Lord. I see it in my wife. I see what has taken place in her and I wanna surrender to that today. You, you can do that. We're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you're a wife in the same way. You're seeing your husband and the example that he's setting in the way that he's pursuing Christ. You need to do the same thing. We want you to do that. We want you, because this is the formula. It, it doesn't start with consideration and submission. It begins with Christ. And then as Christ comes and enters into our lives, then we can live in submission and consideration all for the glory of his name so that others will be led to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But maybe this morning, maybe the reality is that husbands and wives, as you sat here and you've been in the word together this morning, Maybe it's just an opportunity this morning for you to just pray together. And you just pray for one another and pray with one another and to pray for your home. I'm gonna lead us here. I just wanna encourage you, if that's where you are, man, just right there in your home. Just maybe kneel right there. Bring your, if you've got children, bring your children along with you. And just say, we want our home to be Christ first for his glory so that we can be instruments of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Husbands, I just wanna encourage you to lead out in that this morning. So just with heads bowed and eyes closed, wherever it is that you may be. If you just first wanna to surrender to the lordship of Christ and surrender your life over to him for salvation, I, it's just simply saying this, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come and to rescue me from my sin. I look at my spouse and I see the joy that they have. I see the life that they're living. Something's different. I want what they want. So would you just forgive me and my sin? And would you save me now so that I can live my life for Christ?
And then, Father, just for those that maybe prayed that prayer for the very first time, God, we celebrate that. God, we celebrate what you're gonna do in their homes, but God, just all across right now, our city, our community, God, across the country as people are tuned in with us and leaned in with us, it's just men and women on their knees before you, God, just lifting up their homes before you. So God, I just ask, Lord, that you would intervene in such a powerful, personal way in the midst of those homes. And God, Lord, that it would be Christ first. And that as Christ is present in their midst, and God, that they would take on the roles of submission and consideration to one another for the glory of his name and for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that their children would see Jesus, so that their neighbors would see Jesus, so that their friends would see Jesus, God, so that the world would see the Jesus who changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.